electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are trying to get back some of yesterday's sell-off, uh, the worst day for the Dow since September 3rd. Earnings are out in force. Pre-election stimulus all but dead as the Senate is adjourned until after Election Day. And some blockbuster M&A as AMD buys Xilinx. AMD CEO Lisa Su, Jim, is going to join us in just a few moments. And your comments uh, a moment ago to Andrew uh, just sort of crystallized not just what a job she's done, but how, you know, companies are placing their bets and looking through cycles, even though we're a week away from an election and in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Now, you've got someone uh, of the quality of Lisa Su who probably has been the, no, clearly has been the best CEO in the country, uh, non-promotional, uh, very competitive. Uh, felt like that maybe this is maxed out uh, three, four years when you're just in the uh, when you're just in the personal computer in the data center, then it's not good enough. She saw what happened at Intel. And I say that I, and I don't say that with uh, any prejudice. It's just that she left Intel behind. Uh, she is in the data center. Who is she? Who are her clients? Azure, Google and, of course, Amazon. But it's time. She feels it's time to branch out into auto, time to branch out into uh, defense uh, into telco. And I think, David, when you look at Xilinx, what you're seeing is a mosaic that where there's some overlap in data center, but the rest is an attempt to be able to say, you know what, we need a bigger total addressable market. We do not want it. We have to outgrow our markets right now. And I think it's a very forward looking. Now they're talking about a total addressable market. What, I think 110 billion. I'm, uh, I want to make sure I remember that. I looked through the slides, Jim, but you're right. Listen, She's going to get uh, she's got lots of room from her shareholders to do what she wants without people questioning her, given the performance of the company. And by the way, I know you don't want to overlook the earnings from AMD. That's what moved the stock. They are reflective. I mean, they are reflective, of course, of the fact that she's going to have uh, she has a a, a deep well of uh, support from her shareholder base here, Jim. Um, And these numbers today, again, are blowout from AMD helping, as Jim just said, the stock price. Of course, it is an all stock deal, perhaps a bit higher than some had anticipated. True. But they were waiting for these earnings too, perhaps to actually get the negotiations finished and get to the finish line, Jim, uh, for that one point seven two three four ratio. And yes, the stock looks like it may not be down very much. No, which well, you, is, you, you, uh, you hit it on the right, uh, the right, right, the nail with the hammer. It was forty-one cents uh, for uh, earnings. It, they were looking for thirty-five. When you have revenues that are dramatically better than expected, David, when you have accelerated revenue growth for a company that is not a spring chicken, then what you would have had was probably a ninety-five hundred dollars stock in a few days. And uh, I think that this was brilliant from the point of view of very forward thinking because she did not want to be Intel. Right. And clearly that is, you know, you do wonder as you watch this company grow. But I, it does. And, and, listen, Intel bought Altera, Jim, but Altera is second rate for And Altera Zyros. has not necessarily been a great deal for them. Exactly. And so that is a concern that has been a concern in all the weeks now leading up to this deal where we originally got a report on it. But it seemed as though, it, you know, there were some questions. I know even you'd sort of been questioning some of the logic behind it. When I it. talked with her, I was, are you kidding? I'm really playing 140. I didn't want... 
that her to do a dilutive deal. And she pointed out, Jim, it was an, it's an accretive deal, accretive from day one. Uh, I often find that when you uh, second guess uh, Lisa Sue, David, how do you say it? Moron, idiot. <laughs> I mean, I find myself uh, when I am out with this genius, this engineer, by the way, not a bean counter, not a person who has never designed a chip. I discover all sorts of things like greatness. Uh, and who is only in her camp is Jensen. Right. I, when you did say greatest CEO or whatever, I was wondering what, what that meant. for They're rivals for and funding. friends and cousins. Yes. Amazing. Um, we'll keep an eye on AMD stock because given how much uh, stock they are going to be issuing for this, uh, there may be some what we call the pressure from those who are setting it up and, and then the arbitrage level. So you could see some a bit of weakness, but I think it is getting a sense here, given those numbers. Jim, they do need a shareholder vote of their own shareholders, of course, a Xiling shareholder vote. And they do need any trust approvals from the likes of China. Nobody right. expects they won't get it, but you never know. Uh, and it's going to take a while. I mean, this thing's not closing to the end of next year. I know. I hope they don't lose focus. I don't expect them to do 74% of the combined company will be theirs. Uh, I do think that when you look at the pastiche of Xilinx, you're talking about wired and wireless. You're talking about automotive broadcast consumer. Uh, and you're talking about the way 5G, which he did not have exposure in, and even Huawei, uh, which was... Uh, a very important client for Xilinx. I think it's been absorbed. Uh, Carl, when you speak about, about Lisa Sue, what, what you speak about uh, is why we own stocks. Uh, this is a stock that she took over when it's between two and three. I remember uh, I spent some time with her when the stock was five and I was still uh, idolizing Intel. And she basically told me without calling me a fool because she's uh, what I regard as being very mannerly, uh, explained to me the world. And I, I remember her saying, you're schooling me. And she said, yes, I like that. <laughs> yeah, Jim, I always like how CEOs either call you uh, a dollar sign uh, posing as a human or uh, some kind of apparition or, in this case, just a fool. It's kind of nice to be <laughs> talked down sometimes. <laughs> she and Daniel, her husband, are, are a delight. And when you get together with them, uh, you realize that you're in another orb. And you do your best to try to keep up and hopefully that she diverts the conversation to something about how she grew up about 10 blocks from my wife, uh, which I like. But if you're going to talk about uh, right, you're going to talk about some of the chips like the Epic chip that is so important to the data center data center uh, and to her Italian named city named chips. You find yourself immediately over your head uh, and not because she intends to do that, but that's the language she speaks because she's a genius. Talking about 300 million in synergies, not a huge number, but they're saying again, to your point, Jim, it will be accretive before synergies. And we're going to talk to Lisa Sue. Um, in, the, in the time we have, Jim, I mean, kind of want to get your, ten, your take a day after a significant sell-off um, overall. I mean, we have seen a, a tone, a beat of M&A. This is a company using what has been an extraordinarily well-performing stock price to do a deal in all stock. But overall, as we take a look at how we ended yesterday and what happened. Uh, just give me your take as we come into today. Well, I, I think a lot of people feel there's going to be a lockdown at a certain point. We know lockdowns bad for the country. Uh, we had Dr. Faust on midday, and Dr. Faust, who I regard as the foremost uh, uh, viewer of this situation, he's up at Harvard, uh, was saying, "Listen, we're we're closing the wrong places. We're closing schools. We should be closing bars. That's where people, uh, bars and restaurants, where it's transmitted indoors, particularly because we're going to be going indoors. So I think it's fear of that. But also, Carl, there's a company SAP." 
And SAP was considered to be at one point the gold standard when Bill McDermott was there. Uh, it, it's integral to much of technology. And it reported a quarter that was simply horrible. And who did it blame? Not itself. I mean, this is one of those. It was very it was very the, the play Julius Caesar figures in on this. Because the fault was not in the stars. <laughs> the fault was in SAP. Yeah. But no, would they bother yeah. to say that it was SAP? No, no, no. They said it's the environment. The environment has sped up everybody who is involved with digitization and cloud and left SAP behind. But no, no, not them and not their dysfunctional C- CEO situation where I had the CEO, the co-CEO on, may have money, David. And then three weeks later... Bye. Oh, yes, the, the, the lady you're talking about who left the company right. soon after you talked to her. Now, see that? I just spoke truth, which is the, uh, the province of novels in place. But I didn't like that the way that the, the only other person who deflected and suggested that perhaps it was the environment was Robert Swan from Intel. Here's the environment. Lisa Sue pants you. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a great point because Intel, of course, that those numbers did concern at least a few shareholders of AMD wondering if there was sort of a broader slowdown in some way. And then again, just back to those AMD numbers this morning, the answer is no. no but you see, AM, exactly. And Carl, what was important is when you listened to Intel, you felt the da- data center was slowing down, uh, which of course it, it's actually accelerating. Uh, you felt that maybe the PC was weak. You felt that maybe the whole complex was weak, not unlike what you felt yesterday with SAP. And when they do this and then you get an AMD, you start questioning, well, maybe it's Intel and SAP themselves and not mm. the stars, not the firmament, which is described very accurately by Lisa Sue in her conference call and in the data. And I've got to tell you, the idea of these two companies getting together makes it so that you would no longer say that AMD is just limited to the personal computer and the data center. I think it's an important move to be linked to automotive and to 5G. And that's what's going on right now. Yeah, it's a huge story, Jim, and one we're going to talk about with Lisa Sue. After a break, don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM a leading global asset manager. A gigantic morning, gigantic morning for AMD. The chip maker reported better than expected quarterly results. I think that is very much an understatement, but also announcing a deal with rival chip maker Xilinx. Uh, They do work together, but they can be competitive. That will be no more. It's a $35 billion deal. And joining us now exclusively, AMD President and CEO Lisa Sue. Lisa, it is always fabulous to see you. Hey, good morning, Jim. It's great to be here with you this morning. All right. First, uh, we got to talk about your AMD results before we go into Xilinx, because it's not it's rare that I see record revenue growth, 56 percent. It's rare that I see accelerated revenue growth for a company your size. Uh, Also, a company that has its own destiny, multi-year destiny. How are you capable of coming up with something that no other chip maker is doing? Well, look, uh, Jim. First of all, we are, um, you know, very, very excited today. Um, you know, lots of uh, lots of excitement. Uh, we had a very strong third quarter. You know, I think the the results speak for themselves. I think we saw a significant growth on the top line. We saw, you know, we beat on the bottom line. Uh, when you look across the markets, you know, these are the the most exciting markets. So, 
um, strong PCs, uh, strong gaming, uh, strong data center. And, um, you know, we see that uh, extending into the fourth quarter. Um, and that's why we were able to raise our full year guidance uh, for the year. So we'll now grow over 40% um, on a year over year basis. And, and I think it's really the culmination of all of the things that we've been doing in the strategy around, um, you know, building great products, uh, working deeply with the most important customers out there, and, and being in the right um, market segment. So, um, you know, very, uh, very happy with how uh, the uh, the company's performing, and uh, most importantly, you know, the strength of our product roadmap. All right. Well, this begs the question, Lisa. I tell you that when I saw these results, my first reaction was 90 to 100. That's where the stock would be if it weren't for Xilinx. So how do we defend the Xilinx deal? By, uh, is it something that is immediately accretive, something that expands your total addressable market? Because otherwise, shareholders would have been bountifully rewarded by the numbers that you reported. Well, the way I think about this is, Jim, you know that I'm always in for the long term. Uh, you know, we built our um, sort of foundation, sort of the, the base AMD business on just, you know, thinking, you know, very carefully about what's going to happen in the industry over the next five years, right? So that's how we decided to uh, lean into data centers. That's the strength of the PC market, the strength of the gaming market. You know, what Xilinx brings is, you know, really very additive um, to the AMD model. So, uh, you know, first of all, it is immediately accretive um, upon closing. You know, it brings, uh, you know, significant margin expansion as well as uh, profitability and free cash flow generation. But more importantly than that, um, we really believe that together we can define the future of high-performance computing. And, you know, I'm a very ambitious person. Um, it's all about, you know, what we can do to transform the industry as well as, you know, participate in, in driving sort of the next phase of computing. And that's what Xilinx is all about. Um, it's a fabulous company. I would say it's one of the best companies in the industry. It's a very, um, you know, unique uh, capabilities. And we are uh, so complementary. And, and you really see that um, when we think about um, the product portfolios, um, the market segments that we're in. Um, and then culturally, we're also, um, you know, very, uh, very aligned as well. So um, it's a very, very good day for AMD. And uh, we're very excited about what, um, you know, we can do together with Xilinx. I know you're quite familiar with Mr. Peng, who uh, runs Xilinx. When he was on Mad Money recently, he talked about automotive, broadcast consumer, wired and wireless, data center, but uh, uh, obviously industrial. And I'm wondering how these fit in uh, with a company that I think has m made great advancement in data center and obviously owns the PC market at this point. Are these markets and markets ones that, you're, that you want to be in? Do you want to be in automotive? Yes. So um, absolutely. So when you look, um, our, our base AMD, you know, TAM or market opportunity is about $80 billion, right? Great markets, big markets. Um, you know, they, they move, uh, they move uh, you know, quickly and well. Uh, when you add Xilinx, what you add is, uh, first of all, we're both still very focused on the data center. So that's the number one priority um, of the company. Uh, but they bring, you know, a great, um, you know, communications, uh, you know, 5G um, capability. Uh, they also uh, bring, you know, as you said, automotive. Um, that's a market that we haven't been in, but that market needs um, our technology as well. Um, so just in, you know, um, you know, the telecom space, uh, you know, we think there's an additional $5 billion of, you know, CPU opportunity for us that's, you know, largely untapped. Um, and so combined, we'll have, you know, $110 billion TAM, uh, which is um, a lot of opportunity to go after. And, and the key is, you know, both companies are operating extremely well. I mean, uh, you know, Xilinx is the market leader. They've been growing market share. Uh, we have a very strong portfolio, and we have also been growing market share. And you put two winning teams together, 
and um, you really have uh, you know one of the best teams in the industry. Uh, yeah, Lisa, it's David. Sometimes, though, when you put two teams together, you end up with not as good a team. Uh, history would show that there are plenty of well-intentioned CEOs who wanted to transition their companies, but look back on a deal, a large deal like the one you're undertaking here, and, and regret it. And so I just wonder, given the success you've had, so much success, why are you willing to take this risk? Because there is risk here. There's integration risk. There's distraction risk and any number of others. Why are you willing to take it for the opportunity that you see? Yeah, David, uh, great question. You know, let, let me start with, um, you, know, I, you know, hopefully you guys have gotten to know me a little bit. Um, I'm all about focus and execution. Um, you know, what, uh, you know, we set out these plans for AMD over the last uh, five or six years, and it was about, you know, building um, a, a leadership roadmap um, across our chosen uh, market segments. And so um, that's not going to change. I mean, I, I am always going to be focused on, um, on execution. Um, but we're also, you know, very ambitious, right? I mean, you know, semiconductors is a place where scale matters. Um, you know, it's helpful, uh, frankly, to have 13,000 engineers um, who can work on the most important problems. And, um, you know, what we also have is, uh, you know, my thoughts, you know, I, I actually haven't been very acquisitive. You know, we haven't talked about M&A a lot um, as a company because I have been so focused. Um, but this is such a unique opportunity. I mean, if you look at the fit between AMD and Xilinx and how we see the world shaping, um, I think um, scale matters, um, you know, uh, technology understanding matters. Uh, what we're bringing together is two teams who have very similar philosophies. Um, and, uh, you know, frankly, uh, you know, Victor is, um, you know, one of the best in the industry and I'm so excited that he's going to be joining um, AMD as a part of this transaction. So we're bringing an, an incredibly strong and talented team to add to our already talented team. So on the distraction factor, the main thing I would say is, um, you know, we've executed well and, and we're going to continue to execute well. And, and this is really about, you know, what's the next leg, you know, what's the next five years about? Um, and, uh, you know, in this business, you have to take um, some bold moves. And, um, you know, I, I feel like this is the perfect time, frankly, as um, our business is so strong from a, a base foundational standpoint to add the next leg um, in, um, in our journey and, and really focus yeah. on leadership. Uh, um, uh, and this next year, listen, you're not, you know, a year from now, you still may not have closed this transaction, at least according to your press release. You're saying late 2021. Uh, regulatory approvals, shareholder approvals. Um, you're confident you'll stay focused during that period. And I assume you'll have a roadmap that you've outlined or will outline in terms of executing on getting things done as the integration sort of moves forward? A absolutely. I, I think um, we are very focused on, you know, really uh, bringing the best of both businesses. And, uh, you know, we, we will have to go through the uh, customary regulatory approvals and so on and so forth. Um, but we feel uh, very good about that process. Okay, so Lisa, I'm looking at a press release dated five years ago. It's about Intel acquisition of Altura. The acquisition will couple Intel's leading-edge products and manufacturing process with Altura's leading field programmable gate array, the combination expect to enable classes of products, Internet of Things, data center. This one sounds remarkably like your deal. The Intel Altura deal was a failure. How do you know this one won't be? Uh, well, Jen, look, I, I think it's a very different time and it's uh, a very, you know, very, very different companies and very different people. So um, what I would say is that, you know, Xilinx is the market leader. I mean, they, they have, uh, they're the market leader and they've been growing in market share 
um, over the past um, you know number of years. Um, I think when you look at our vision, it's just very aligned. You know, we we believe in high performance computing. We believe in adaptive computing. Um, we have a very synergistic technology strategy. It's not like any you know any one of us is going to have to change how we think about technology. We actually think about technology the same way. Um, and you know, furthermore, I think the fact that uh, uh, we're, we're bringing you know on Victor and the leadership team, you know, also adds to to all of that. So you know, we've thought about this very very carefully. Um, you know, I, I am um, you know very much on you know meeting and exceeding commitments here. So uh, from a um, overall standpoint, I think this is you know great um, for our shareholders. It's great for our employees. It's great for our customers. And um, you know, we just have to keep executing like we have been. Uh, that's a terrific list. Uh, I'm going to do something that's antithetical to your nature. You're a heroine to a lot of people in this world. Uh, you've done a remarkable job. And can you tell me how you were able to take a company with a terrible balance sheet, a company with a low single-digit stock, and turn it into the powerhouse of your industry? <laughs> You're too kind, Jim. Um, all I can tell you is uh, we love what we're doing. I mean, it is so exciting. Uh, to be um, in this business right now, to see the uh, success that we've had with our products. Um, and, you know, our, our teams are um, executing really, really well. Um, and I really have to, uh, you know, be thankful for the teams that we have around us. But the key is, um, I've always told you, Jim, we're in the early innings of the story, and I'm still going to tell you that. Um, the future of computing is tremendous. And um, you know, you're going to hear a lot from AMD and, you know, AMD plus Xilinx, um, you know, in the, in the coming years. Lisa, your uh, your competitiveness, uh, your legacy, what you have done and mean to women and men all over the world is fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on Squawk on the Street and telling us about your amazing deal with Xilinx. Super. Thank you for having me this morning. Take care. Okay, you too. Back to call. All right, guys, great stuff. When we come back, we'll get to some of these three Q earnings rolling in this morning. Cat, uh, Lilly, Pfizer, Merck, 3M, Twilio, Harley, Raytheon, and a lot more. Uh, futures have uh, lost some of their overnight highs. We're back in a minute. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Haven't gotten to some of the Q3 earnings this morning. Uh, actually, Jim, a lot of blowout numbers. Durables were good uh, at 8.30 Eastern today. And earnings season, we're looking at the highest beat ratio on the top and the bottom line so far. 
uh, in about 12 years. Well, what does that tell you? I think it tells you that uh, if you're a Senate Republican, perhaps you feel uh, that these are the numbers for the V-shaped economy and not the 14 million people who are about to be uh, laid off when we realize that you can't have a bar or a restaurant uh, without possible exposure uh, to COVID. But there are companies like the Sherwin-Williams of the world, the housing inside, the re- housing remake is an extraordinary car- uh, category because it, it does in, in, it impact so many companies. And that is by far the strongest area so far that I've seen. Yeah, uh, Jim, as we uh, say, there's the opening bell here. Uh, a little more even split of uh, advancers and decliners than we saw this time yesterday, Jim. Uh, Sherwin-Williams is a good example. You point out revenue ahead, uh, a beat. Hog, uh, third best net income since 2015. And I know you love Polaris as they guide above. Uh, clearly, the consumer does have some discretionary income to spend on their home and their toys, even as some of it came in the form of stimulus. Look, when you, when you take a, a Harley-Davidson, it, it takes many things to turn around the company. Uh, fabulous new leadership. It was a complete blowout. Blowout. No promotions. No promotional activity. But also, it takes a pandemic. Because what could be more fun than riding around on a Harley in a time where if you're in a building, you're fearful? This is a way of travel, uh, like Brunswick, which is another stock I like, Carl, which is redefining America uh, as a place that wants to be outdoors and safety. Uh, Harley-Davidson and Polaris have both of those. Um, Jim, I I mean, there's an avalanche of earnings this morning, Uh, you know, and also transactions, uh, whether it be AIG potentially splitting the company or uh, DTE, which I'll get to uh, in a moment. But I do want to hit as we look at the market here, see how we open after yesterday's significant down uh, uh, downtrend over two percent. You want to talk about exact sciences, don't you? No, I don't. Why not? I don't. You want to talk about exact sciences? Stocks up 13 on buying a liquid biopsy company. I know. All right. Talk about it. I mean, it's a private company, but talk about it. Well, a lot of people feel the holy grail is to be able to get blood that will then be able to detect cancer. Uh, We don't know how to to detect cancer well now. Kevin Conroy was in Mad Money not that long ago. Remember, this gets them beyond colorectal cancer. David, if you can if you can do this, can you imagine how many people you'd be able to diagnose early that for cancers be, that, that otherwise are uh, very difficult to get in in the late game? Yeah, that would be a huge undertaking. I think it's one point seven billion could be as much as over two billion. And when certain milestones are met in terms of what they're paying for this company, stocks up 13. It, it no longer, David, is a company where you have to uh, do a kind of an unpleasant uh, task to be able to find out whether you have colorectal cancer, which is great. What was the deal um, you were going to mention? I was going to actually split. I mean, there's so many different things, but I, here's a, by the way, that was Thrive. Earlier detection is the name of the company that we're talking about in terms of exact sciences, acquiring it to, to what Jim was explaining. I want to stay in healthcare. I want to talk Merck for a second. I want to sure. talk COVID. Uh, I want your take on the Merck numbers. Stock not doing much of anything, but I did want to reference because I talk about it a lot because I remember we had on the. Uh, uh, Ridgeback back in the early days of the pandemic a couple of times. It's this it's their oral uh, antiviral, uh, Jim, that right. Roger Perlmutter, who's going to be st- retiring uh, fairly soon, uh, but was discussing on the conference call um, talking about they're in phase two, three studies right now. It's called Molnupiravir. Uh, and again, it's a five day. It would be a five day oral course that would significantly reduce the viral load. It's what uh, Perlmutter is saying in terms of reduction of viral burden, 
it's likely that it will be superior to remdesivir based on preclinical studies. Now, remdesivir is infused in the hospital, so I'm not even sure. And by the way, there's been kind of mixed reviews on it. Remember yes. the WHO report? I'm not quite sure why he'd want to reference that. Um, I think well, there you know, a lot- we didn't reference what what Denny referenced taking, a, taking two Regeneron and going back on the campaign trail. Yeah, he didn't uh, again infused <laughs> monoclonal antibody. This is different. And, and I just come back to it because when we talk about all the different treatments that conceivably would be out there, this is important. Based on its mechanism of action, he said they're hopeful the new therapy, which is administered orally in capsule form, will meaningfully reduce morbidity and mortality. Along with the progress in clinical development, they've secured resources to produce millions of doses of malnupiravir before the end of 2020, with even greater supply becoming available early next year. Let's keep a close eye on it. They are in phase two, three at Merck, five day course oral antiviral. A pill. Correct. Correct. Not an infusion. No. David, we would be doing things. If we could get this pill. Yes. Anymore. If and uh, but again, Eli Lilly, we wouldn't be doing. No, Lilly was. Tell me. Give me your take on Lilly. As we see, Merchier's not doing much this morning. No, I mean, on look, the earnings themselves. Obviously, a great deal of it. Key true to sales were oh, incredible. That'd be the number thankfully. one selling drug of all time. Three point seven billion, I think, for the quarter. Yeah. yeah. And this is an anti-cancer drug. Uh, Eli Lilly. Uh, there are other uses for uh, that drug. And they've had success with mobile vans going to uh, nursing homes to be able to administer it. But. Obviously, when you get such a staunch, hey, no go from the uh, FDA, it's daunting. David Ricks doing a very good job. But, David, I, I, I do find that people don't understand the power of Merck if they can get this to work. I know. I, I, it's funny. It's just been under the radar. And maybe for a reason. Maybe there's a sense that, listen, there's 2,700 people right now in phase two, three in terms of 2,700 patients. Uh, you know, that they're looking at, uh, that they're doing the, the trials on, obviously safety, but efficacy is the key here. Both hospitalized, non-hospitalized, no trouble finding COVID patients these well, days, Well, you know, uh, you know that Frazier. was an issue six months, not six. Maybe this summer you might have had a harder time. We're only 23,000 cases a day, but not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, my mom died very young of uh, kidney cancer, and I, there were a lot of false hopes. A lot of people said there was this, there was that. And you went through a tremendous agony because you believed. Uh, Ken Frazier has never let anyone believe that Keytruda is going to be a magic bullet. Uh, David, his, his humility in the face of recognizing false hope is what I think is creating the disconnect between how effective his course might be and uh, why we don't think of Merck as being the company that's going to solve this for us. Right. I know. It's interesting. But you know what? Maybe we were right. Well, as the stock starts to tick higher, as we've been talking about it, Jim. So many other things, Carl, this morning, uh, not earnings related, but transaction potentially related. Here's not a company I don't talk about too often. DTE Energy. I'm sure Jim knows it. I frankly did not know Detroit it particularly Energy's well. Powerhouse. $24 billion market cap. This morning, they announced their plans to uh, spin off their midstream business. Here we're talking about the non-utility natural gas pipeline storage and gathering business of DTE. You can see the stock is reacting positively. Uh, and it would make it a pure play regulated electric and natural gas utility, Jim. This is not dissimilar from what Duke did with its pipeline business. NYSOR also did something similar with its pipeline business. Uh, and both did quite well in terms of creating value, it would seem, after the transaction. Uh, you know, they're going to spin it off. It'll basically be a tax-free spin to shareholders. 
don't have a lot more details at this point. I mean, there's a fairly long uh, press release. Also, they had a, a good earnings, Jim. Natural right. gas prices, by the way, started to tick up yeah, a started, little bit. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people like uh, uh, Shreef Suki, who is uh, the man who a lot of people, the father of exports for natural gas, Carl, is saying we can see $5 natural gas. I, I think he's a little too bullish. Uh, I do think that the way that you're creating wealth in, in pipelines uh, and utility is to follow an Elliott management scale. Uh, Game plan, David, you know, Elliott Management was integral in the DCE, in Detroit Edison. Right. So, Carl, there's our, these are incredible stocks. I had American Electric Power on last night. Does anyone think American Electric Power is an interesting stock? Interesting is not important. What's matter, what matters is income. And a lot of our viewers love income. We spend a lot of time talking about high flyers. And I happen to love Twilio. They're putting tre- tremendous, tremendous numbers together. The stock's down, but it will be up uh, in a couple of days. It's down a lot. But, you know, a lot of people don't want Twilio. They want income. And DTE is income, uh, Dominion doing some things that is income next era. Uh, but I think that this is a remarkable place that's completely overlooked by us. And a lot of these companies are very interested in solar. American Electric Power is all in solar, not because of Biden and not because of Trump, but because they told me last night it's the right thing to do. A kind of a new way to approach business. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right about Twilio, though, Jim. Uh, Q4, they see uh, 8 to $0.11 cent loss, streets at a $0.02 cent profit. I did want to ask you about what's going on with some of the industrial names. Uh, UNP was not a bright spot last week. Uh, 3M Cat are weighing on things this morning. I mean, cats, and still no guidance out of cat. Uh, customers delaying some purchases. If it weren't for China, Jim, I'm not sure where the stock would be, but China is definitely a bright spot according to the uh, CFO. Yeah, I mean, Caterpillar has been one of these companies that's a proxy for uh, worldwide growth and for a belief that that Biden will come in and will end the trade war with China. Uh, It's also had some, but really it's lever to oil. Uh, Union Pacific, you mentioned, talk about disappointing. I suggested last night that they uh, buy Kansas City Southern because they're really in the need to do something. Looks like Precision Railroad is is run out. 3M's a quandary. Uh, I think uh, Mike Roman is doing a lot of good things. Uh, he had a bunch of pr- uh, product lines that were very strong. Uh, but once again, uh, tripped up by uh, a belief, I think, that that they don't have the growth that people want. Now, I, oh, is Mike coming up? Yeah, he is in the 10 o'clock. Oh, that'll be yeah. good because, you know, yeah. I think he's turning around the company and I don't think he's getting the respect that he deserves at this point. Uh, this was he inherited a company that maybe wasn't as good. David, are you yeah. doing the questioning? Uh, I'm going to be conducting some of the questions. Sure. Wait, can I ask you where, where you're well. going without giving away too much? No, you can't. No, I'm not going to tell you. I like that. I yeah. think that's important no, think, to I, show me up and make me look stupid. Yeah. No, oh, back I to would, you. I would, <laughs> I would never do that. By the way, I want your take on AIG in a second, but let me also get oh, that to, CEO, the guy who left. Uh, well, no, I mean, he did created you see? a lot of value. Yeah. <laughs> By leaving. We had him on all the time down at the exchange. Yeah. Um, uh, they're separating out their life and retirement business, or at least announcing their intent to separate. Yeah. You can see AIG shares are actually up uh, 4%. Jim, I had not realized the stock was down almost 40% AIG. It's one of the worst investments. Uh, uh, remember AIG, the high flyer, for 2007, 2008, when it turned out they insured everything that blew in through the window? I still remember that loss. I've never seen a loss like that. I think it was almost $100 billion in a quarter. Do you remember they everyone tried to nail Goldman for the reason why AIG lost and not their own incompetence? That was quite a time. Um, Guys, I did want to hit Tiffany as well. You know I've been following it closely, of course, as we uh, get closer and closer to a potential trial date in Delaware where Tiffany is going to say, hey, you guys have to buy us. Um, um, 
They got EU approval yesterday. Uh, not a surprise. Clear to EU. Basically, they've got all the approvals there. The question is, is now the time if you want to actually see if there's a way to get this thing done and get the trial, or I should say get your problems behind you, is there a way to settle? Uh, and what I can tell you is there's at least what I'm hearing indirect conversations. Now, the judge here, by the way, has been encouraging both sides to try to do something. When we say indirect conversations, you know, the old back channel, you don't want to have the principals talking to each other. Um, but there are ways to try to communicate at least and see if there's something that can be done. What would that be? Well, maybe you slightly reduce the price. Macron takes back that letter that they sent. Remember the letter, of course, from the French foreign ministry that says <laughs> we would not look happily on. But it was also the meaning of the word should or could. Or, um, you take that letter back, which has become less of an issue anyhow. Uh, and maybe you move to a tender, which can get this deal done very quickly and even have the effect of closing the deal before the next dividend payment, which we know those dividend payments drove Bernard Arnault crazy. Um, but uh, we'll see. I want to keep a close eye on this, because if you were going to come to some point where you were actually going to be able to forge a new transaction at a slightly lower price, get the uncertainty out of the way, not go to trial. Now would be the time to try to get that done. Carl, back to you. All right, guys. Uh, so much to process, as David says. Uh, let's get to Bob Bassani, see what's moving. Hey, Bob. Hello, guys. Happy Tuesday. At least no SAC announcements to throw us off, uh, although Europe's still down about 1%. Let's take a look at the sectors. Similar pattern to yesterday. Now, the semis are holding up all right because uh, Xilinx is up, what, 10% or so. Consumer staples, again, outperforming. Defensive sectors looking a little bit better. But the cyclicals, again, like yesterday, industrials, energy, banks, again, down for a second day in a row. Banks had a great time last week. Not so good this week as yields uh, have been moving back down. Uh, what's moving as well? These thematic tech ETFs, these investors just love buying these thematic tech ETFs, lithium and game ETFs, cloud computing ETFs, cybersecurity ETFs, 3D printing ETFs. Every day they move up on decent volume, just a lot of investor interest in buying tech in this particular manner. The thing, though, is guidance. And what I see is, again, the lack of it. Big companies not really providing any kind of explicit guidance again. And this is a problem for the analysts. Caterpillar, 3M, Xerox, uh, Stanley Black & Decker, uh, Harley-Davidson, Raytheon, if you look at them. Uh, Corning didn't really provide any explicit guidance. LabCorp, again, analysts are trying to figure out what's going on in the fourth and first quarter. And without it, you see these earnings come out and very wide disparities between what the analysts are thinking and what the companies are reporting. Fortunately, generally, they're beating because the analysts, without any guidance, are being very, very conservative here. So if you see this number so far, look at this. We've got a third of the, of the companies reporting here, 169 reporting, 83% are beating, way above, and it's still 20% are beating, but the average beat is 20%. That's huge with the third of the S&P reporting already. Remember, I keep pointing out, historically, they'll beat by 3 or 4 or 5%. 20% with the third reporting, that's an amazing beat. And yet, what we're seeing here is not a lot of movement on the stock prices. And that's a little bit disconcerting. I want to just show you what's going on here with Cummins. They, Cummins is a good example. They had a huge beat, 40% above Av of uh, what the median price, median estimate was. And no analyst even got close to the number they actually reported. This is an historic high for Cummins. Now, they do engines and engine parts. The company, I think, highlighted exactly what the problem is with earnings season. Uh, the CEO, uh, Tom Linebarger, we are encouraged by the recovery in demand across our markets in the third quarter. Visibility on future 
orders remains low and the impact of the virus on economies around the world remains difficult to predict. That is exactly the problem. We are having a problem with the fourth quarter estimates because we are hostage to what's going on. Look at this earnings trends that we're seeing here, guys. Strong beats so far. Companies are beating, but we're not seeing a lot of price gains overall. Is the good earnings news priced in? Maybe, but it's more likely these macro factors are these overlays are really making it difficult to figure out what the prices are. And those are, of course, the stimulus, the vaccine and the elections overall. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks so much, uh, Bob Bassani. Ten-year yield easing back into that familiar range this morning. Let's get to Rick. Morning, Rick. Yes, we're definitely losing some of that upward horsepower to interest rates that we really started to see after retail sales a week ago Friday. Now, if you look at a two-day of 10s, a couple of things. First of all, yesterday's low yields and our low yields before our time zone were about the same. And the minute we violated that, you could see what happened. But what's also interesting is that occurred 20 minutes before very good durable goods orders. Didn't slow it down. Rates kept slicing right through. Maybe one of the reasons, look at the S&Ps on top of an intraday of 10-year note yields. They were definitely going hand in hand. And the weakness in the equities is one of the reasons we seem to be losing ground on the selling pressure, as was some nervousness that rates may have to go higher to a better economy. Now, quickly, if we look at what's going on with the yield curve, we can tell it's all long end, so it's flattening. Short ends glued to the wall. As far as what's going on with uh, the dollar index and foreign exchange, I guess the best thing to look at there is the euro versus the dollar. Now, if you look at it over the last week or so, you can see it's definitely consolidating around 118. The dollar index also consolidating, but at a lower level. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick. Talk to you later. Rick Santelli. Uh, take a look at 3M today, uh, the worst performing Dow component. Close to a one-month low here, despite a beat on the top and the bottom line. We'll talk to Mike Roman about uh, medical equipment sales and what may be driving the shares lower uh, later this morning on Squawk on the Street. Don't go anywhere. Now, what Xilinx brings is, you know, really very additive um, to the AMD model. So, uh, you know, first of all, it is immediately accretive um, upon closing. You know, it brings, uh, you know, significant margin expansion as well as uh, profitability and free cash flow generation. But more importantly than that, um, we really believe that together we can define the future of high-performance computing. That's Lisa Sue with us earlier in the hour, Jim, as the shares are now down about almost 4%. Yeah, but there's a read-through, Carl. I mean, Microsoft reports tonight uh, the, the move by Lisa Sue in some ways is a du- double down. I mean, Xilinx has a very good mosaic of business, but she obviously uh, is drawn to the data center. And now David's arbitrageurs are weighing on the stock, and they come in. They lock in a gain, $35 billion. But I will tell you that if data center is as strong as Lisa Sue says, then maybe Azure is incredibly strong, big client of hers, and maybe, therefore, the read-through, read if we don't get too negative today, is that you should buy Microsoft before, uh, uh, maybe even as uh, going into a sell uh, between, say, one and two today, uh, because Microsoft might have a very good quarter just based on what she's saying. David, your arbitrageurs are coming in wrecking this. <laughs> They're not wrecking anything. Let's not forget, of course, the stock had moved up Xilinx after the first reports a number of weeks ago that a deal was at that point seemingly very, very close. And then uh, you had this interregnum where there were a lot of questions. What? what? You had this period of time. This interregnum? Interregnum. Interregnum? You like, know what that word is. Yeah, I know it. You went to Harvard. You've how about antediluvian? You going to throw that one, too? Oh, yeah, I can throw that in there if All you right, want. Whatever. Don't be a misanthrope. Carl. You guys are way too fancy, guys. I'll tell you that. Um, 
The industrials and energy definitely weighing on uh, the Dow, at least. Uh, CAT, 3M, Boeing, Chevron, all the worst performers. And one reason the Dow's red, while the S&P hanging on to one point. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. How about a quick homage to Johnny Cash? It's called the Ring of Fire. And how do we get that? We put our masks on, right? And then we get, you can't see it because the wonders of the makeup people. But I have the Ring of Fire. Uh, that comes from my mask. So what do you do? You're supposed to use Skin Cleaner by Estee Lauder. Fabulous note today by Opco. Remember, Estee Lauder, we know them as makeup, but they also have skin care. It had been in the decline. Now it's the advance because of Zoom. And with Zoom, I got to tell you, the ring of fire stands out. I'm tired of paying homage to Johnny Cash. I'm going to use Estee Lauder when I get home. <laughs> Come on, we all know. I mean, what are you going to do? Do you think that this we area do. right here, you can clean this area? Look at this. This is brand new. I mean, I just I destroy my face daily. I can't even shave. <laughs> yeah, Jim, it's, it's, it's what we're living with right now, and yeah. we're learning to live with it. What and about tonight? has got an answer. Okay, so tonight I have Centene, which is a giant managed care company. we got to talk about uh, politics and what managed care looks like under uh, maybe a different president or this one. And then I have Raytheon. And a lot of people feel, well, wait a second. Are you levered to an industry that people are very worried about, aerospace? I know I'd be worried about if I was in the aerospace business when you have a caseload of 80,000 people and you fly to countries and there's five people on the plane and 10 stewards. So we got to talk about that. Nice when we had Greg Hayes on this show once, but good for you, Jim. Uh, Thank you, David. You're welcome. Thank you for keeping the Mike Roman questions hidden. What do you think he's doing, Carl? He's got like... No hidden questions. Yeah, you can yep. run, but you can't hide. No you fly, fly like a butterfly. You're going to fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee? Uh-oh. Breaking news. Uh-oh. I'm sure the CEOs love being fought over. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Thank you, uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.